Curtain going up. Curtain going up. Places, please. Overture, stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. Are you there, Trey? I am here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? It is so good to talk to you. Yeah, it's delightful. I'm so sorry. I know that we had to reschedule this once. What a pain for you. I'm so sorry about that. No, do not apologize. We have to reschedule. No, Washington was on fire that day. You do not have to apologize (laughs) to me for that. So, no, I'm so excited that we were able to do this and actually connect, though. I've, I, and I, I want to be transparent with my audience really fast. I've, I 100% am your biggest supporter ever. So this is a completely biased conversation about you and what you're going to do for the state of Indiana. I I love you so much. I've worked on your campaign both times because I really do support you and what you do for us. So I I do want to be transparent about that. Well, that is so kind of you. Well, I number one, I really, really appreciate that support. And number two, I am such a big believer that now is the time to make a profound difference in government that will ultimately benefit Hoosiers and all Americans. And I, I think the opportunity is now. So I'm so glad that you've taken up that mantle as well, that crusade, along with us to ensure that we get that government that we really deserve and that we really should have. And so I love yeah. that. Um, good. So now, by the you, people for the people. Time. That's what I've always loved and supported about you. That's what you've stood yeah. by. Um, I, for people that don't know you or, or don't follow you as closely as I have, when you came into Congress originally, your commitment was you would not run for longer than four terms because you firmly support that the people in Congress should represent the people. And right now, right. we have politicians that have been in there for 30, 40 years, like You're no longer connected to the people that you serve. You don't, you don't know anything about your communities. You don't know what's hurting people. You're just at that point, in my opinion, you're in it for yourself. So, I mean, that's exactly right. That is so well said. I mean, the reality is no matter how laudatory your aims may be when you enter Congress, as you said, I mean, 10, 20, 30 years here changes you, right? It changes who you are. It changes what you think, it changes how you think, and ultimately a democracy should be a representation of the people it serves, right? And you can't represent the people and be different from the people for 10, 20, or 30 years. It just doesn't make sense, and I think we've got so many politicians that are in for their their name, for their fame, for their next step, and not enough people that are in it to serve the American people. And I think that's why we've gotten so many bad outcomes over the last 30 or 40 years. And so I am the House's biggest proponent of term limits. I'm a big believer that ultimately you should know that there's an expiration date when you have to get another job, right? When you have to buy health care like everybody else, you have to retire like everybody else, all of these things so that your experience, you know, will mirror the experience of the American people so you're incentivized to do the right things for the American people because you're going to have to get another job just like this. Exactly, exactly. And it's that alignment of interest ultimately that I think will pay the biggest dividends because, you know, people say, gosh, I think that we should fix A or B or C, but ultimately if you get at how you make policy in and of itself, that's a solution that pays dividends tomorrow the day after that, the day after that, decades to come, because you're changing the way you do something, the process. And as you know, I used to be a manufacturing guy, and 
it would be, you know, stupid of somebody to say, well, we're making bad widgets. Let's just hire people at the end of the line to fix those bad widgets. Right. The smart thing to do is to shut down the, the line for a second, fix the problem so that you permanently make better widgets. And making better policy is no different than making better widgets. You've got to make sure that you're permanently fixing it. Right. So I, I have, you know, kind of a list of things that I wanted to talk about. Since we've already kind of touched on that um, term legislation, I, you have actually, you introduced in 2017 term limit legislation, and it did not make it through. And there is legislation on the table right now. Is that correct? Right. So I have okay. introduced, yeah, the first thing that I do uh, in both Congresses was ensure that I introduced term legislation because ultimately, if you're not going to be the change you want to see in the world, as Gandhi famously said, right, then you're not really making a huge difference. So I want to right. make sure um, that I live that, that I'm pushing that, that I'm focused on that going forward. And I think that we are developing a cater of people who uh, also see it the same way. Um, right. So it's not – we haven't yet gotten to the majority, right, because the bill hasn't got, been brought to the floor by the Speaker and hasn't been passed, but – we're making steps and strides every single day to ensure that. So here's my issue that I have. 82% of Americans, according to um, the McLaughlin Associates poll, 82% of Americans support term limits. So is there a way, and I mean, I, I remember, you know, you watched the video of the bill and how it's passed. And so I, I understand yeah. that you need to have, I think it's two-thirds of Congress to pass an amendment to the Constitution, which is what would be required if we were going to put term limits on Congress. But is there a way yeah. that we could put it, you know, on the ballot and say, hey, do you want term limits, yes or no? And then it's a conversation that Congress is required to, you know, kind of adhere to because it's something that that large percentage of, of the American population supports. Right. Uh, it's a great question. So, as you might imagine, the document that is most core to our government, the Constitution itself, um, has a high hurdle in order to be changed for for good reason, right? We don't want sure, yeah. just the majority in the House, majority in the Senate, and then suddenly changing the very fundamental nature of our government itself. Um, however, uh, there are several ways, as put forth in the Constitution, by which we could make an amendment. The way that we have is exactly as you described, right? Two-thirds in the House, two-thirds in the Senate, and then it goes to the President's death, then it goes for to the states for ratification. There is another way, a convention of states, where states say we are going to get together and we need to amend this Constitution. And many people have put forth that this is an opportunity for us to do that. This is an opportunity, maybe along with balanced budget amendments and other things, um, that would be benefic for future generations of Americans, uh, given our large debt load and some other challenges. But this is an opportunity for the states via the people um, to push their own agenda on a federal government that has been recalcitrant um, and unwilling to heed the interests of the American people. And so I, I'm, hope, I'm hopeful that we – I believe in a democracy in the long run that if 82% of people – not 82% of Republicans, not 82% of Democrats, right. but 82% of Americans agree on something, yeah. that we should be able to get that done. Maybe not immediately – but certainly over time we should be able to get that done, and that's why I'm so optimistic about where term limits is because I think people are fed up with a government that hasn't worked for them and are eager to get back to a government that is focused on their issues. I agree. Um, okay, so transitioning a little bit, let's talk about you personally. So what 
what pieces of legislation are you really like other than term limit are are you really most proud of that you were involved with crafting or that you voted on that yeah. you felt like really benefited Hoosiers the most? Well, so one of the most important things that I do is consistently call Hoosiers all the way across the district, consistently call every single week and ask what's their most important issue, what matters most to them. And despite six-inch headlines in the Washington Post or the political rags up here talking about every gossip and innuendo, what I continue to hear from Americans every single day are three basic coercions, right? Number one, they want a government that's listening to them and focused on their issues. That's what we talk about term limits, right? Right. But number two – they want to know that the future is going to be better than the past, that their kids are going to live better than them, that economic opportunity is going to expand for them in the future. And number three is to make sure that that future is not only better but safe, right, to make sure that right. we appropriately fund national defense. And so really I focus a lot of my time on that number two issue. How do we make sure that there's economic opportunity for every American family to be able to not only buy the things that they want today but save for a better future, whether that's to buy a house, syndicate college, buy a car, start a business, or live their version of the American dream. And so I sit on financial services up in D.C., which sometimes people go, gosh, that seems far afield from what we care about in Indiana. But ultimately, it is at the core of what we care most about in the Hoosier State, which is the opportunity to create better futures, right, whether that's helping our small community banks, again, make loans to Hoosiers that live in rural areas, or whether it's ensuring that you have access to vehicles that will enable you to save for a better future, or whether it's ensuring that there are fewer scams out there that take advantage of our senior citizens. It is really important to me to make sure um, that everybody feels that they can achieve their American dream, whatever that may look like for them. And so I am most proud of the work that we were able to do at least um, from January 2017 through February of 2020 on improving the economy, getting to the best economy that we had seen in generations, unemployment right. at low levels, wage growth at high levels, asset values at the highest possible levels. And so I, I think that we are going to get back there, and I'm committed to ensuring that I take steps every single day, whether it's through deregulation, whether it's through lowering taxes, whether it's through promoting financial services in our rural and other communities – to make sure that everybody feels that they can participate in a better economy. And it's challenging out there right now. Unemployment around 10%. We'll find out in two weeks where it is. But unemployment around 10%. Wage growth flat to negative. Uh, we've got to make sure that ultimately uh, we turn this around. And I think we can. I know we can. I know America will yet again be the economic engine of this country and the world, frankly, um, and so I want to make sure that we take the right steps to do that. So those are those are kind of the things that I'm most proud of because I think they have the most impact on who's your family sitting around the dinner table. Well, you touched on this a little bit, but your focus, Americans' faith in government institutions is really, I mean, at the most all-time low that it could possibly be with the FISA abuse, yeah. the renewal of what I would consider constitutionally questionable methods of the Patriot Act, that's working through the process right now, and it doesn't look like it's going to hit any hurdles, um, politicizing the response to the virus. And in the restoration of that, I think you have done – the reason that I love you so much as a politician is your newsletter that you send out on a very regular basis. If there's a piece of legislation that you're getting ready to vote on, you send an email out to your constituents that have opted in, and you ask them, what do you think about this? And I don't – I don't get that from any of the other politicians that we have, at least 
representing the state of Indiana right now. I, I obviously can't speak for other states, but that's my one thing that I really love about you is that you actually take the input from your constituents and you apply that to how you vote in Congress. And yeah. that's a well, huge deal to me. And I want to see how do we expand that? How do we, how do, if you're going to have the Nancy Pelosi's of the world staying in Congress forever, how do you get more, more politicians to start looking at their constituents and trying to be more engaged like that? How do we restore well, I that? Think so, so, number one, I think every American needs to remember um, that their member of Congress, that their senator, that their president in a, in a larger sense all work for them, right? I, I work yeah. for you. You are, you are a constituent. You are a Hoosier of Indiana's ninth. And I work for you, and it's my job to make sure that your voice, among the other voices in Indiana's ninth, is heard resoundingly in D.C. That's hugely important to me. And so I think we have got to make sure that we, as the American people, taking off my congressional hat for a second, take back the power from Washington, D.C., take back the power from federal government, take back the power from career politicians. And we do that um, by demanding it. We do that through the ballot box, and we do that by electing not just the same old representative year in and year out, but the new individuals that will be more responsive to the American people and to hold people accountable for that, to not just um, think of something – good government is something we do every two years, but to think of good government is something we demand every single day. And If your representative told you that they believe in X, Y, and Z, and then you found out that they voted for A, B, and C in contravention to what they told you, then you should hold them accountable for that and make sure that um, in the, the ballot – counted next cycle that you are reflect that view that they uh, broke that promise so that they compromised the value that mattered most to you. And so we are not going to convince career politicians to put their career in the back seat, but we can elect public servants that will be more focused on serving the American people than their careers and demand that of our um, politicians going forward. Do you see, and, and this isn't something that you're probably prompted for, but is, do you see, like, you're a businessman. Donald Trump is a businessman. I'm starting to see a lot more non, you know, political science turned lawyer turned politician. I'm, I'm seeing a lot less of that and more actual Americans that have been involved in real world, real life scenarios moving into politics. Do you see that becoming a trend? Well, I'm hopeful that hope it does. That yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm hopeful that it does. I do see that as a trend, and I think it's an important trend in where we're going. Look, I'm, I'm not going to um, bemoan those that had, you know, went to some school, studied political science, then worked on the Hill as a staffer, and then gradually worked their way up to running for Congress as a member. But that is a limited amount of experience, and frankly, how to legislate is not as important as what to legislate. Sure. And you only get the what to legislate if you've got real and genuine experience outside of the bubble of politics, outside of the bubble of Washington, D.C. And look, I don't think business people have a monopoly on all good experience. I know wonderful teachers that could do tremendous work for the educational system. I know wonderful nurses and doctors and hospital staff that could do tremendous work for the healthcare policy of this country. We know great farmers who understand agricultural policy better than most politicians that determine agricultural policy. What we need to do is ensure that every American feels like they can participate in their government in a meaningful way and that they can pour out the experience that matters most to them in a real way up in D.C. And then, of course, go back home once they're done as it was designed 
um, and right. ensure that the next person picks up that mantle. And so I am a big believer that everyone has can experience to contribute, and they can certainly contribute that through the ballot box, but even more so that they can contribute that at their local elected offices, at their state elected offices, at their federal elected offices. We are going to get the same outcomes, Heather. We're going to get the same outcomes for the next 30 years if we elect the same people over and over and over yes. again for the next 30 years. The only Gosh. way we get different outcomes. Yell it louder for the people in the back, Trey, because <laughs> people don't understand it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, the only way that we get new and better outcomes is to elect new, different people. And right. that's what I tell people. I mean, if you think that, and you know, a politician that's been up here for 40 years thinks the same way that you do, has the same concerns that you do, is focused on the same issues that you do, or lives the same way that you do, you're crazy. We've got to make right. sure that new and fresh people that have your passion get up here so they can make a real difference. Okay, I know I've got limited time with you because you've got an event this morning. So I do want to ask you, just because yeah. it's a it's a big deal to me, lobbying is an issue for me. I have, if you read anything or listen to anything I have to say, I have a big problem with the money in Washington. And yeah. my question is, like, do you think we should change or alter the lobbying laws? Specifically, yeah. do you think a politician should be able to vote on legislation involving companies that their campaign accepted money from? So. For example, if if I'm getting ready to vote on grant funding, should I be able to give that to Big Pharma when they've been contributing to my campaign? Like, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I see exactly what you're saying, right? So, uh, luckily, a Republican majority did away with a lot of congressionally directed earmarks, um, I think six years ago, eight years ago, I can't quite remember, but did away with that before I got up here to where used to be, right, we could build bridges to nowhere in Alaska because some member of Congress said, in order to get my vote on X, I want you to build this bridge in the middle of nowhere. And a lot of misallocated spending came up that way. We've, I'm so glad that we got rid of that. But the big problem that still remains, as you well articulated, is this revolving door between politics and lobbying. And this is something that I've also been really clear about, and I carry the legislation on this in the House, that in addition to term limits, we have to make sure that members of Congress aren't doing things today while they're legislators that benefit their future career, even if it's not on the Hill, if it's off the Hill in lobbying. Right. So I've introduced a bill that basically says, hey, if you have ever been a member of Congress, you can never get paid to lobby Congress oh ever again. Oh, my God, I love you so much. Life, right? and oh, so I can't wait to run right your now, campaign again. <laughs> yeah, right now, you know, a, a member of Congress has to wait a whole six months. I mean, they got to go play golf for six months before they become a lobbyist after right. being a member of Congress. And that that is not that is not an acceptable level of separation between government and the businesses that depend on use uh, government resources. And so we've got to make sure that we have a bigger separation. So, again, it comes back to a very core principle, so that your representative, no matter where you live from sea to shining sea, is focused on you and your issues, not focused on their career, whether they're building a career here because they want to become speaker one day or whether they're building – a career off the hill as a lobbyist. They shouldn't be doing that with your time, with your money, and your effort. Gosh, so true. Okay, two personal questions, and then I'll let you go, sir. Um, yep. Of the committees that you're participating in right now, which is your favorite, yep. and if you are reelected, yep. are you going to look to serve on any other committees? 
Great question. So uh, I, as I said, I own financial services, and I got to tell you, I'm a banner waving believer in the power of financial services to change American families' lives. I want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to be able to buy that house. Not just that rich people living in urban and suburban areas can buy homes, but also those of middle income, those of lower income, have the opportunity to live that American dream. And financial services empowers that. I want people to be able to start businesses in their garages, right? That become the Cummins of the next generation. Right. We can't do that without good financial services. I want to make sure that when you're saving and investing for your retirement, that you're getting the best possible return. We can't do that without good financial services. I want to make sure our senior citizens aren't being scammed out of tens of billions of dollars every year because it is hugely important that if you've worked hard for that money, I don't want to see you scammed out of that. Good financial services does that. So I continue to be an advocate for a wide variety of issues that matter to the Hoosier State, that matter to our district. But one of the things that I'm the the banner-waving believer on and the leader on is in financial services. I'm the only Hoosier delegation member on financial services, and it's really, really important to me to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to be able to live their dreams. And so much of that's supported by financial capital, either on the personal side or on the business side. And so I'm going to continue to stay on that committee and continue to fight for Hoosier outcomes there. Awesome. Um, last question. What is yeah. the most surprising thing about working in Washington that you did not expect? You know, I would probably tell you, um, I, I, would, I would answer it this way. That there is nothing surprising in Washington, <laughs> right? The, the reality is every problem that you think exists up here exists up here. Every issue that you think is an issue for Washington, being able to get something done, being able to help you is an issue. It's not – I didn't come up here and, and find a steady hand on the helm and assume that, gosh, uh, everything is actually much better than I anticipated. I found all the problems <laughs> that I expected to find. But I tell you what. Every time I'm in D.C., and I continue to live in beautiful Jeffersonville with my wife and little two-and-a-half-year-old, and we – I was um, going to ask you how Kelly and the baby are doing. They are doing amazing. Thank you for asking. Okay. My little boy – actually, I say two-and-a-half, but he actually turns three next Monday. Okay. So he's about three, yeah. Yeah, my wife is abysmally planning his uh, third birthday, as one might imagine. It's an uh, important milestone. And so we – um. You know, when I get on the plane and come back to the Hoosier State, what I realize and recognize is that we are going to prevail over all of this. We are going to get through the challenges of a government that doesn't feel like it's working for us and other issues. We are going to get through those things, not because of politicians in D.C., but because of the great hard work and ingenuity of Americans from sea to shining sea. I mean, when I go and talk to schools prior to COVID, when I could go into schools and answer their questions, you just hear the American – Kids, the next generation that are coming up are talented, capable, and ready to carry this forward. And every time I go and talk to Hoosier farmers, I see the hard work they put into their land every single day, making sure that they put food on their table and all of our tables. And I go to these businesses that are getting started and just the amazing work that Hoosiers are doing to create better outcomes for themselves, for their communities, and for all of us. And I'm just gonna, I'm just going to stand aside and let them continue to carry that beautiful mantle forward as they have every generation of Americans before them. And so I'm, I'm excited about where we're headed. I would tell anybody that is pessimistic about this country's future that they are on the wrong side of this country's future. That they're, that we have proven time and time again that we are up to every single challenge that befalls us. 
Trey, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. I really, really appreciate you. And hopefully we can do this again maybe once more before the election. Um, and I'll have a whole nother well, list of stuff for you. I am happy to chat anytime. You go enjoy a wonderful day and reach out. And anybody else that's listened to us, reach out anytime about anything. I'm here to work for Americans and for Hoosiers. And please don't hesitate to call. Yes, and if you're in Indiana's District 9, you need to subscribe to Trey's newsletter so you can have input on how he votes in your state. So thank you so much, Trey. You take care. You too. Bye. All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up, please subscribe. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Please make it a great day in America. This is the country where few people leave, too many people want to enter, and dead people still vote. Take care. Know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. <laughs>